Yo, what's up? I'm Denari. And if you're here, that means you're tuning into the Young Bulls Podcast. Enjoy the episode. My name is Jalen, and you tuned into the Young Bulls Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Young Bulls Podcast. You know, it's your boy Denari here, back for another episode. I got two esteemed guests with me today. We're about to talk straight basketball. Uh, we got recurring guest, we got recurring guest Jalen here. Jalen, say what's up to the people. Yo, what's good? What's good? And then we got you know, man, the myth, the legend himself. You know, I've been trying to get him on for a minute. Aiden, you know, say what's up it's to the good, people. Man. Hey, you know, I'm uh, excited to be here. Yeah, it's good, it's good. But um, before we even, you know, get into any of the basketball stuff, we just wanted to, you know, first off, say welcome back. You know, it's been a while since I've done an episode, so, you know, definitely, actually, it's been like a week and a half, but it feels like longer, but uh, yeah, so it's good to be back. But um, before we get into anything else for this episode, uh, what have you guys been listening to this week, you know, with weekly rotation? You go first. All right, bet. So I've been listening to... I've been listening to a lot of J. Cole this week. I ain't going to lie. Listen to a lot of uh, – shout out Quango because he put me on a young boy. Not going to lie, I never thought I would listen to young boy this week. But young boy's tough. To young young boy's tough. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, it's not bad. I'm not going to lie. It's not bad. But uh, listen to young boy this week. Some Kachinata here and there. Uh, Jalen, what you listen to this week, man? Um, Honestly, the Spider-Man Into the uh, – Across the Spider-Verse uh, soundtrack. That was really that, good. Yeah, the movie was that, spectacular. Ah, yes. We're not going to touch too much on that. Yeah, movie was amazing. Aiden, have you seen the movie yet, bro? Nah, I'm not into like I'm not really into that sort of stuff. Like, I grew up watching like Disney movies. I never got into like superhero, like Spider Man, all that. Like Star, Wars. I've never gotten into it. I mean, like, I'd be like willing to like check it out and whatnot, but it's just not my thing, really. I feel that. I'd say I'd say the animated Spider Man movies are the best. Honestly, I've seen Spider Man. I've seen Spider Man a few times though. Yeah, Spider Man's dope. Yeah. That last movie was amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I've what I've been I've actually been trying to get into country just because a lot of my friends listen country to like, a lot of like Morgan Wallen stuff. So they've kind of put me on a little bit. Um, that's really what I've been. I mean, I've been, I listen to a lot of like. Um, like core, like OT Seven Kwani, like Philly Bulls. Um, but really, this week it's been a lot of Morgan Wallen, just trying to like get to listen to a lot of what my friends do. Like, it's a lot of like fire pit music, like summer music, summer vibes, that sort of stuff. So that's really that's what right. I've been. That's what I've been bumping a little bit. So that's that's just dope. It's not bad though. Part. It's really not bad. I could never get in the country music. I could never get. That's what I thought. Bro, I feel like it's so repetitive. Like, the only thing they talk about with country music is, like, tractors, beer. Uh, I feel that, either. Yeah, farming, grilling, all that stuff, man. So. <laughs> At first, I was, like, I thought it was just going to be, like, I mean, for, like, my whole life up until a couple months ago, I'm, like, I don't know what it is. I don't, like, I just can't vibe to country music. And yeah. then, yeah. for some reason, I heard a song, I'm like, this isn't bad. It's a really, like... You can't bump country music all the time. It's only in certain like, like situations. Eight o'clock at night, like 
with a few of your friends, like, outside, like, that sort of vibe, as opposed to, like, you can't bump country in the gym or playing ball, like, it's not, so you gotta just, it's not terrible, though. I, I, I've been messing with it, I've been messing with it. I feel that, I feel that. Alright, so, um, we're gonna get right into it, so, games, game one and two of the NBA Finals just wrapped up, uh, series tied 1-1, they head back to South Beach, um, just tell me what you what you guys like so far, what y'all don't like with the series so far. Uh, the last game, as you can see, Bam Adebayo really stepped up. Bam's and like I said, I, I've been saying that from the beginning of the series. If Bam steps up, then he actually have a chance. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this, you know, hopefully this little hot streak continue. Well, hopefully they continue yeah. to win more games after this. Uh, I tough think Bam. A lot of what Bam's. I mean, we've seen in his past that he's a defensive monster when he wants to be, and when he's aggressive, he's he's top five center in the league, arguably. That's it's his consistency. If he wants to be aggressive, he's he's got to like. And we saw that. I mean, game one, he was aggressive. He was getting shots up. He was one of their leading score, and for a reason too. And when you're able to attack an elite center in Nikola Jokic. Yeah. And then force some pressure down low. That creates opportunities for the perimeter shooters and their role players. Last game, Kayla Martin hit his first field goal in the fourth quarter, and it was a clutch three-pointer. But a lot of that was because Bam Adebayo was so aggressive and so dominant inside to where the Nuggets had to crash the glass a little more and send more help inside, and that caused those guys who were known to just be lethal outside, Duncan Robinson, start in that fourth quarter was arguably, I think that's the reason why they won that game. If Duncan Robinson didn't get hot to start that I quarter, agree. they would not have won that game. I, he I was dog. He was – they needed that. Game one game one and game two, for what I saw with the Heat, I definitely saw like a different you know, level of urgency with game two than I did with game one Miami. I felt like in game one, Miami just didn't have any answer for Murray or Jokic. Felt like they just couldn't really get going, and if they did get going, it was for a short, like for a short, like spurt, and then like the Nuggets would just come back and respond and like give them the knockout blow. But as Aiden just said, Duncan Robinson, what he did in Game Two for the Heat, that pretty much like I think turned the game around because what Duncan Robinson was able to do coming off the bench and being able to put you know those points up and be able to score the way he was able to score, seemed like the Nuggets didn't have an answer. And um, and the Nuggets, even though they lost that game, they almost messed around and came back. And they almost won that game. Yeah, they almost found a way to in the, either send it to overtime or win the game. So even with that, like with the Heat, um, going into game three, man, I, I just really want to see, you know, just more of this attack mode for Duncan Robinson. I want to see Gabe Vincent continue to do what he needs to do. I need to see, you know, from the Heat, Jimmy Butler needs to, you know, show again why he's that guy. And I feel like he, you know, just if the Heat can do that, like probably like three more games, they're going to be world champs. But I would not be surprised if the Nuggets end up taking game three on the road here. I, I would not be surprised. The Nuggets got a step. Like, they're role players. I mean, a lot of the offense came through Nicole Jokic scoring the other night, which is something you can't rely on. Obviously, he's talented enough to score 40 if he needs to. But you have so many players surrounding him that complement him so well where – Jamal Murray's got to get going early. You got to have KCP hitting his three threes a night, his drive. Like, those are the guys that have proven themselves all playoffs 
long that they're capable of doing so, and that's a huge reason to their success and whatnot and why they're in the finals for a reason. And when you're just so hesitant to shoot the ball yeah. and Jamal Murray not getting good looks and they're just not running their fluid Denver Nuggets offense, getting out in transition, which is something they're amazing at. They didn't do a lot yeah. of that last game. And credit Miami for not turning the ball over like they did in game one. Every other possession, it felt like. But I think the keys for, honestly, both teams, because you know the Stars are going to bring it. You know Jimmy Butler, he's going to bring it. Jokic is going to bring it. If you can have your bench and your role players playing their role, it's going to come down to which team is – it might just come down to which team has the ball last because that's – that's how it's been all series for essential, or I should say more in game two. If, like, the Nuggets didn't play good basketball, and they, yeah, like they only lost by three points. Murray had a good look at that final three. And yeah. if they somehow stole that game while playing the way they did, I think it's going to be tough for the Miami Heat to not only pull out another win, but win three more against this yeah. tough team. I agree. Dylan, what you got to yeah. say? Another thing I want to touch on was, uh, like, Eric Spoelstra and his adjustments. I know game one, I can't remember the exact amount Jamal Murray had, but I know in game two it was, like, at least 10 points less. He, had only, he only had 18. He had 10 assists, but they kind of shut him down with, with his shots. They kind of they shut him down with his shots. So um, I want to ask y'all, like, for the rest of the series, like, what are you guys' predictions for the rest of the season? I said he in seven. I said that he going to end up winning in seven. Wow. I said he'd seven. And I told you fade Denari is what I told you. <laughs> I yeah, I'm I'm fading that. I I still have Nuggets in five. That was my prediction going into the series. I think the Heat are a good enough team to where they'll take a win. I don't expect the Nuggets to come out like they did on Sunday night. Cause I, I genuinely think that they're easily the better team. I think yeah. really the only thing that the Miami Heat have for them is their coaching. I do think Eric Spostra is the better coach, but besides that, Michael Malone is still a hell of a basketball coach. And the talent that the Nuggets have, I genuinely just don't see a scenario where they're going to drop another game or at that three. I I do I still am a firm believer that the Nuggets are a legitimate team, and I've thought that all playoffs really because like. I think a lot of people overshadowed them like as a fake one seed, all that sort of stuff, just because they weren't the flashy Kevin Durant, Devin Booker. They weren't Steph and Clay. They didn't have that sort of large fan base, big market sort of appeal to them. And at the end of the day, not the av- no average fan is tuned into a Denver Nuggets game. That just- is true. That's just how it is. But when you are a basketball watcher and you enjoy watching basketball, you realize how beautiful the Denver Nuggets play basketball. So that's I'm, true. I'm sitting on my I'm sitting on my Nuggets and five. Nuggets and five. Nuggets and five. Nuggets and five. Jalen, what you got? I think I think the Heat. I want the Heat to win. Let's say that I want the Heat to win. I um, that's, I want the Heat to win. I, just I do. Too. I, I, it's I, I do think Jimmy. Jimmy yeah, he should Jimmy be in one. That'd be really nice, but you weren't you weren't lying when you said um, the only thing that Miami at, really have is the coaching. Man. Mike Malone's a really yeah. good coach. The Nuggets have been like yeah. a top three seed for the past who knows how long, 
And yeah, it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a nice battle. I think it's gonna be a really nice battle. It's gonna be tough. yeah, yeah. I'm excited right. to see if a lot of what I'm excited to see is if <laughs> I've noticed it all. I mean, the past few years, that Miami crowd every game it takes them 15 minutes to get there, but when they bring it, they like. I mean, this is their first final since 2014, and I'm just I'm pumped to see like. Yeah, this crowd is gonna be electric. Because it's gonna Denver, give me like something. Yeah. yeah, something about Denver's crowd the other day. It didn't have that finals feel. It just felt like a. It felt like, like not, a regular like. It felt a like a regular season, season like or like a, yeah. It didn't have that finals feel to it, which is something that I miss. I miss like the gold on the scoreboard yeah. and not this minimalistic design. It's cool. Yeah, I'd say the NBA is definitely lacking all the designs and all. They're lacking. I'm. I miss like the like the gold and stuff like the trophy behind like the yeah the that's what I'm saying and stuff like that like um before the games and everything like that like 2007 like circa 2007 ish stuff but I wasn't even gonna say this for the episode but like what are y'all favorite moments from like the NBA finals and stuff like that before we like continue to go you talk about this year or just in general just in general just in general damn I I think you gotta throw. 3-1 comeback brought up there. That's iconic. That's yeah. something that you, you, like, you'll never forget those moments. Um, I agree. And I honestly, just the overall vibe of like, it all comes down to this, especially when it's similar to this year, one of the two stars in the league are going to get their first ring. Either Jokic is going to get his first ring and easily move into the top whatever conversations of all time center-wise. Or yeah. you're going to get a guy like Jimmy Butler who's the first ever eight seed to win an NBA championship after losing a playing game. Like, it's... Either way, I just think that having stakes that are... You work your entire <laughs> life to get to this moment. Yeah, like, I agree. That's my favorite part, I think, of the finals. Just somebody's going to win it and... If it's not my team, I usually don't have any stakes in it. So it's, I like just being able to enjoy a competitive, nice game of basketball. Nah, absolutely. Jalen, you got anything you want to say, man? Uh, yeah, I agree with uh, Aiden. The storylines are just spectacular. The Miami Heat yeah. lost the uh, lost the playing game and still fought all the way up here, beat the number one seed, yeah. beat the Celtics. Yeah, but went up three zero in the Celtics. They went up three zero, and then. But, they won. They and then won. they blew him out. That was wild. Seven. They blew him out game <laughs> seven. I yeah yeah. I don't even. I'm still trying to figure out how that was even possible. But no, yeah, I told you. Out. I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you. <laughs> you Celtics you were my pick to come out of the East. I was shocked. I like that to was tell your pick you like to come out. Yeah, I had my initial pick heading into the playoffs was Denver against Boston, and once I saw that, not that Milwaukee was gonna handle them lightly because I knew I knew the Miami Heat were still a talented team. They were the one seed last year. They didn't make yeah. many changes, but like come trade deadline this year, they didn't do anything. And I'm like, alright, they're still that one piece away from being a good playoff team, yet alone a finals team now. I'm like, alright, the Bucks might win this in five. The Heat could possibly take two, go to six. And then I also was like, okay, like we might have a we're gonna have either a Philly Boston or a um, 
Philly, Milwaukee, or Boston, Milwaukee, like that's gonna be great. And then here come the Heat, just ruining everyone's day. And it was, it, I mean, it, it's fun to watch. It, it really is fun to just watch a team take over in the playoffs, like like both teams yeah. are doing essentially. I'm saying J- Jalen knows this for me, but I had the Sixers coming out the East. And <laughs> that's biased. This, you know that. You know that's biased. It's I, very I know. Biased. I know. It's very I know biased. It's biased. I know it's biased. But I thought it was our year. I mean, and B got MVP. I was like, we're gonna finally make noise in the. We're gonna finally make noise in the playoffs. We're gonna finally do what we guys. I knew we it took was care coming. of Brooklyn. <laughs> we took care it's of. Our, it's your year every year. It's your year every year. It's like Dallas fans. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Once Game Six happened, man, I already knew. I was like, oh god. And then Tatum <laughs> got a defeat. Yeah, that was a feat. But um, yeah, I I mean for Denver, man, for Jokic, utmost respect for Jokic. What he's been able to do this season, just for the past three seasons. When you look 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 at the past three seasons that Jokic has had, two time MVP, and now he's going about to get either his first ring or his first Finals appearance. Like it, it's really impressive with the way you look at it. And even with him not winning MVP, it just showed like for me, it showed like what mattered more to him. You get what I'm saying? Like. Jokic, he led his team to one seed. He got his team through the Lakers. He got his team through the, he got his team through LeBron and KD, and took care of business. You know, he's taking care of business right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm playing. I'm playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, nah, KD and LeBron are not on cats level. Yeah. Um, well, they're not on either. Yeah, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um. Nah, but what Jokic's been able to do this season, man, very impressed. You know, utmost respect for Mike Malone and what they've been able to do with Denver. They've been they've been a talented team since like 2019. They've been they've been able to do what they need to do. And for this year, for them to be in the finals and for the Heat to be able to do what they need to do as a play-in team at that, just even more impressive and just just really goes to tell like the coaching and stuff and just the direction the teams are going in. But um. Uh yeah, well with that with that being said, oh anybody want to say anything else uh, before we go? go I I kind of wanted to piggyback on what you said about coaching, and I just want to make a side point saying that it matters so much in this league, and not just the NBA, but just in basketball and all sports in general. Like that's why I was so shocked that, like Nick Nurse for example, twenty nineteen he wins an NBA championship, you would think that, like, when you're a championship caliber coach and you're proven to be a leader and that you can lead a team to one of the greatest accomplishments in the game, you would automatically assume, like, this guy could do it. We know he can do it. Obviously, there's a lot more to just coaching a team to wins. You got to develop players. You got to teach them the right things on and off the court. But we saw so many coaches this offseason almost just being let go to be let go, it seemed like, in most cases. Monty Williams goes from yeah. damn near coach of the year candidate again, as well as last year winning it, to just. You're gone, buddy. Like it's and he's Budden, such a talented Budden coach. Too. Yeah, Budden there's been a ton too. of coach, coach Bud. You have Doc Rivers, who I think is a little bit more understanding. But at the same time, I'm not. I'm I'm not putting the Sixers series loss on Doc Rivers. Yeah, I can't either. But I coaching either. plays such a big factor, and Michael Malone 
being there and providing that, I think, very mature mentality to that locker room. Um, I think it, it's huge props to him, and I think Denver, regardless of their outcome the rest of this series, is taking the biggest step or the biggest leap possible to where, I mean, this is what you play for, and they're doing it the best way possible. You still have a young team. You build around a center, and you play basketball unlike any team's seen before with a dominant passing center. So I want to just give my flowers to Coach Malone here. So that's all right. that's that's all, all right. I wanted to mention before you nah, move on. All good. Actually, speaking on Nick Nurse, if I'm not mistaken, that was like his first or second year on his championship run. But, um, Nick Nurse? That was his, yeah, that was his first season. That was his first season. As a head coach. And uh, him going to Philly, I'm not going to lie. I, hopefully the Sixers do something with that. I hope. I like I it. Hope. I like it for pure basketball. I think he's a phenomenal coach. I'm worried to see how James Harden and Joel Embiid's health yeah, is gonna play a factor in Nick Nurse's rotation. He he'll run Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and Scotty Barnes out there for 40 minutes a night on a random Tuesday in February, just because. And I I'm gonna be shocked if Joel Embiid and Harden play more than 55 games this season. I don't yeah. think their bodies are built to handle that much. Especially with Embiid. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I was going to say. Especially with Embiid. Joel's not going to. He's had a history with knee problems and just falling and stuff like that and just really just (laughs) getting injured in general. So, And then Harden, he's just coming off a hamstring injury himself, like last year, I believe. So, you know. And then also, too, just the fact that we don't even know if Harden's going to even be suiting up for the season. Yeah, it's not guaranteed. It's not even guaranteed. And the only player you have right now that could literally play 40 minutes for the Sixers outside of Dancy Melton possibly is Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey. He's going to take a huge leap this year. I I agree. I agree. But with Embiid, I really do not know how he's going to be able to function under Nick Nurse's system. I I don't know. Because if I'm not mistaken, Nick Nurse... never had a dominant center. I mean, their best center. I mean, I'm count- I still see Siakam as your four. Their best center that they've had on roster. You can argue if Gasol or Jakapoto has been better. I mean, Valanciunas wasn't amazing for that. They've never had a number one option as their center. So it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I, I, I do think Siakam and Joel Embiid have similarities to where it's not gonna be. A hard adjustment. I think it's obviously it's easier to adapt as a coach to, I mean, the, having the MVP on your team as opposed to Pascal Siakam. No disrespect to Siakam, but <laughs> yeah, it's right. it's always easier to coach a team that has two superstars, arguably, as opposed to come in and try to build a team from the ground up and develop players. You already have <laughs> your cornerstone guys, and you have talent around you so it's right. you have that added pressure of utilizing that talent to the best of their abilities staying healthy and obviously winning championships so it's going to be interesting to see what um nick nurse is able to do in philly and they just lost sam casal to dallas or not dallas uh, boston he, yesterday yeah i did so, see that that 
Yeah, I saw that. I, I thought he was going to be, if they didn't get Nick Nurse, I thought he was going to be like the in the running for like the, just be the head coach internally. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's really sad to see. But, um, yeah, Jalen, you want to say anything? Um, no, I don't got nothing much to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But, um, all right. So, next up, you know, we just talked about Nick Nurse. Uh, so now we're just going to talk about the offseason in general. I was going to say, like, what the Sixers need to do in the offseason, but now I just changed it to, like, offseason in general for – I was going to say for all teams, but for just, like, a select few. I say we st- – I mean, why don't we start – we could start with Philly. Why don't we touch on Philly as well as every – I mean, why not? I think I could start this if you'd like. I think right, for ahead. Philly, I think your number one priority is bringing back James Harden. Because at the end of the day, he's still a guy who impacts the game at the highest level. And he runs your offense now. He's your point guard. He's one of, in my opinion, the best passers in the entire league, which is crazy to say now after (laughs) what we've seen from him in his past. But I think it's crucial to bring back James Harden. And I fully expect him to return uh, back to Philly. Under a small contract, I don't see them bringing him back long term. I can see them bringing him back on a one plus one deal where he's guaranteed for this season. However, next season he's going to have this same option where if he likes the Philly environment for another full season, if he enjoys playing under Coach Nurse, if Philly makes moves to bring in other players surrounding him, I think he needs that full season again of just full health, a new head coach, a new system. So I think that's priority number one for Philly. And then on top of that, I think you really just got to go out and get depth because they didn't have consistent depth this season where Jalen McDaniels was good for Philly on the defensive side of things, but he was not consistent on offense. Shake Melton is a guy that doesn't get PT much anymore. D'Anthony Melton was great for them. That's another guy that they need to they need to acquire more D'Anthony Melton caliber players to where they almost have too much of it. And then I think the last thing they need to do is a leader. They don't have a leader besides P.J. Tucker, who's one of the best in the league, but they don't have a lot of that veteran presence that can come in and make an impact. Besides Agreed. James, I mean, Joel Embiid and James Harden are great, impactful players, and they have that sort of veteran leadership, but they need a guy like a, like kind of like what Jeff Green's doing right now for Denver, where he can give you quality minutes, but he can also be a leader and make an impact on the floor. Someone who doesn't, I'm, I'm not saying you have to start the guy, but half him in your rotation enough to where he's giving you key minutes and he's impactful. I'm trying to think of who would be perfect fit for them right now. If for the could come uh, in for for the Sixers, just off that uh, bench. Back in the 2026 team, when we had uh, Alec Burks, he was the great. He was like he was really good at just coming in for depth. So yeah. I feel like any. Uh, I'm trying to think myself. Um, like Terrence Ross, Terrence Ross will be a guy to come in. Terrence, yeah. He'll play 12 minutes a game. He'll get you a three, a layup, and some free throws. But he's a, I mean, he's a veteran guy who I think can teach Maxie some things. 
He'll teach the young guys some things. And then at the same time, he's old enough to where he can teach James Harden and Joel Embiid just off-court stuff, too, which is what they need. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely need veteran leadership. Uh, what you got, Jalen? And then I'll go. Um, I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of a player like not really on a team or looking for a team almost off season, almost in free agency. I'm trying to think of a player. Um one does not come to mind right now. Um Yeah, it's not coming to me. Even Dwight Howard for Philly was I liked what Dwight Howard did last season for Philly. And I know that's a different case now because he's over in China and doing his thing over there. But having a guy like that, who he, he, I, don't, I don't think he should or would get minutes in a Sixers uniform, but it's locker room presence that is much Even back when, yeah, yeah. Even back when the Sixers had George Hill, I loved when they yeah, had George Hill. You know, was great for George them. Hill. Yeah, George Hill, um, and just other, just really, I feel like where the Sixers messed up, though, when it came to just how they constructed their roster, I feel like it's just still, like, remains, like, like the Ben Simmons experiment that's just really messed up the Sixers when it came to the roster. Remember, when they had Ben Simmons, he was a dog. Had to build, yeah, he was a dog. He was a dog. But they had to get shooters around Ben Simmons, and then when Ben Simmons left, you have shooters and stuff, but then that's all you have on the bench. You get what I mean? So now it's like an issue where you, you have a lot of shooters on the bench, but you don't have anything to do with them. For example, you have Furkan Korkmaz, who gets no minutes, who hadn't, didn't, didn't get any minutes in the playoffs, I believe, unless it was garbage time. I don't remember him getting any minutes. He got a, few, he got a little just, bit of garbage time. Uh, he got yeah, a little he only got garbage time. Yeah, only garbage time. At one point, Rightfully he was a so. prominent member. Yeah, <laughs> but like prominent <laughs> member. So now it's just like, you know, when it comes to like the sticks and how they construct their moves for the offseason, I feel like the first move needs to be to get rid of Tobias Harris. It's tough. It's going to be tough. I mean, the especially when you, it comes down to he's going to be playing contract year. There's not going to be a team that's willing to give up damn near forty million dollars for a guy who's who's we've seen that he can have his hot games. But then he can just go out yeah. there and a shoot. non-factor. Yeah, yeah, he'll shoot five of twenty-two. Plus minus is negative, and then at that point you're looking for answers because he's a good role player. I'm not discrediting yeah. from that. I think he is a good fit for Philly, just not under the contract and under the usage that he's given. And right. I don't see realistically. I don't see a team out there that has the cap space and the assets or the will to trade for Tobias Harris. So I think yeah. Philly, you're hoping that they just utilize him well to where he plays his tail off in a contract year, hoping to get another contract. And if they pay him next year, depending on what the market's like next free agency, I mean, a little over a year from now, we'll see what they pay him. I don't, Expect him more than $21 million, $22 million, depending on what the market's like. But it's going to be really hard for them to get off. Yeah. It's going to be hard. I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't think of a team that's willing to go out and get him. Yeah, I agree. As far as, and then even as far as with Harden, I don't even know about the Harden thing because it's still up in the air about what, you know, what he does. 
If he stays, I, I mean, that's going to be good for Embiid because he's going to have his running mate with him. But if he doesn't stay, who are you going to have to fill in that spot? Because now, cause now it, it's just going to be tough, though. You get what I'm saying? Or yeah, you look at could be good. If, if if Harden's let's say Harden just declines the player option and leaves for nothing, you're not you're, if you're not able to get a sign and trade with likely Houston, and you get nothing in return, you're looking at Maxi. Has to, not not that he should develop or could develop into that star player that you need, but you need him to develop into an All Star caliber point guard because right. you drafted him with the 21st pick a few years back, and if he's not able to develop, which I think he should be able to, but there's a there's going to be a lot of pressure on him this upcoming yeah. season where he's going to be the number two scoring option. Everyone's going to be looking at him to be this starting point guard on a playoff team, and then that's going to also force bench guys, if you don't go out and trade or sign for someone, like DeAnthony Mellon, to also step up. You're going to have to really rely on ultimately younger point guards to lead this team outside of Joel Embiid, which is going to be tough. And Nick Nurse, coming from Toronto, he relied a lot on his wing depth. He loved his OG Ananobis, Siakams, his Scotty Barneses, and then Kawhi Leonard when he was there. He loves those guys. And right now, Philly doesn't have, they have a gap at that wing position. So if they lose James Harden and then they have to rely on young point guards outside of Joel Embiid, I, I think it's going to be really tough for them moving forward, not only to contend now, but I don't know what your future looks like at that point. You have to, yeah. I think right now is put all chips in, go out. Bring Harden back. If you can't bring Harden back for whatever reason, you need a sign and trade. If that somehow doesn't work out, you gotta just get wings. You gotta get not Paul George esque wings, but guys that are able to bring it on both sides of the court that can play at an All Star caliber level. Right, Jalen, what you gotta say, man? Um, he's mentioning wings. I'm thinking about wings, man. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I love wings. <laughs> Um, just going all the way back to the uh, Macau Bridges trade. Honestly, I felt like the Sixers should have got in on that man. <laughs> they had him on draft night. Had oh, yeah. the team. They had him. Yeah. Split second. Split second. And he got rid of him for Zaire Smith. That would who be never beautiful. played a possession. Yeah, who never. Yeah, who never played a game for it. Macau Bridges yeah. is your number one target this offseason. I don't think Brooklyn makes this trade. Just. Inner inner conference, same Definitely division. Not. It's they're not going to give what they want for Mikel Bridges, knowing that he's capable. Especially after what doing he, what he's doing, what once he, he got in Brooklyn, yeah. it's going to be. I think they're hanging up the phone unless they're getting yeah, like yeah. unless they're getting the Gobert that sort of package where they're getting all these picks plus some more. It's I don't think Brooklyn's. I don't, I don't think Brooklyn's doing Not at all. Not at they all. They can't. Because <laughs> at the end yeah, of the day, like, yeah. that's those are the type of guys that you want to build your team around. So why would you go out and trade them away for picks that you're not guaranteed are going to 
end up being anything. That's that's one of my buddies of mine was saying this offseason. They're like, oh, go trade Joel Embiid away. I'm like, but what does Joel Embiid being traded do for you as Sixers fans? Because you use these draft picks to develop guys into an MVP. Right, right, and even if right. you have six first-round picks, the odds of you drafting and developing an MVP out of any of those picks, or even out of players that you trade for, is highly unlikely. It's like, it makes, I hate hearing that. Like, and trades aren't easy to pull off. Not at all. Like, it, you have to yeah. get mutual agreement both ways to where both teams feel like they're getting equal value. And it's not easy. Like, it's, I'm, I'm not an NBA GM, but I could tell you it's, <laughs> it's a lot easier than trade this player and that player. It's, there's a lot more that goes into it that I think a lot of people don't understand, which is... Which is fun. It's fun to make those mock trades, but at the same time, it's like, will they ever happen? We'll see. Right. I mean, yeah, I agree. So we just talked about like the Sixers should do this off season. So I was going to talk about what Dallas should do this off season because Kyrie possibly is going to leave, and then there was just a report that said that Kyrie was recruiting LeBron to come to Dallas. So that's not going to happen. Yeah. No. <laughs> shut it down right now. It's not. It's not. It's not happening. <laughs> I, I would was be tired shocked. Of it on my news feed. I was tired of seeing it on my news feed. We're at that time where it's just rumors. It's they're in that weird in between period where there's two days, three days in between the finals. That's all that's going on in the NBA right now. I think Kyrie's just doing that stupid Kyrie stuff again, and just letting the media run with whatever he says. That's I don't believe any. I do think that. If LeBron James and Kyrie Irving were to team up, it would a thousand percent be LA and uh, LA. Yeah, there's no yeah. It makes zero sense for. I mean, you do have Luca. It's at the end of the day, you can also think of it as Luka Doncic or Anthony Davis. But at the same time, you're in Dallas, who has nothing besides Josh Green and a bunch of salary fillers, in my opinion. Or yeah. You're in L.A., the city you want to be in, with depth, good coaching, good environment. Like, so, and also at the same time, what is, what are the, what are the Mavericks going to get give up, in order to get a LeBron James, Dav, like Davis? L.A.'s not going to want Davis Bertans and and, <laughs> and don't, like yeah, they don't want that. They have nothing on that team where they can get yeah. LeBron. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I can't say. It. Galen, you got anything you want to say, man? Uh, what I want to see this offseason is the Wizards to make some moves. <laughs> the yes. Washington Wizards to make some moves. Yeah. At this point, we just need to go into full, full, full rebuild. Full rebuild. It's long overdue. Brad got paid. Long overdue. And I'm like, they do the same thing every year. They draft a mediocre player somewhere from that 7 to 11 range. They always, contend, always, they give, they give you false hope, they'll go on a seven-game winning streak, Bradley Beal averages 35 in a month, and then Johnny Davis, Johnny Davis a lottery pick. He didn't do anything all season. The brightest he played in the G League really, most of the season. Yeah, this was great. Not like, yeah. Didn't he not like come to like play for the Wizards until like, like towards the end of the season? Yeah. Johnny Davis. 
and he wasn't impactful in the G League. He averaged five points in the G League. That's yeah, a lottery. Like, like that's embarrassing. That's, like, that's like Sharif Cooper. Lottery right pick? Nah. You can't be. Yeah, that is like Sharif Cooper. That man was getting. Johnny Davis was getting his own commercials before he even got drafted, and now he's averaging five in the G. Like, come on, man. You can't. That's. But that's bad on the Wizards, in my opinion. Like, you got you can't develop players, and that's. I mean, it's apparent. We've seen that the past almost decade and a half now. The best Tell player that. that they've developed. I mean, Bradley Beal has turned into a hell of a player, but is that the best that you're able to do? Like, because you're putting all your money into this player who's good, and he can score the ball well, but he doesn't lead you to anything. He can't lead you to wins. Porzingis, who I think was incredible this season, Porzingis he, is really he's good. not a guy that's going to be able to lead you to a team. So you have pieces there, but they don't mesh well together, and you don't have enough. You don't have a direction. And that every single right. team needs a direction. And right now they're a, we can try to make the play in, or we can be a bottom seven team. I don't know. We'll just go out there and play. But like you need to either commit to a rebuild or retool, or contend. You need to take steps, and they have not taken a single step between the Russell Westbrook era, between the Just Bradley Beal era, between the Porzingis. I mean, even John Wall pre-injury, him and Brad were killing it. But you knew at the time, like, they're a playoff team, but they're never gonna, they're never gonna be a championship caliber team. I mean, and you go out and make moves. They've drafted players. The Really, the only player that they've drafted that has done anything for a different organization that was Rui Hachimura. And you <laughs> let him go for nothing. And then you it just have... Some randoms. Like, you gotta just... And they'll have a new they'll have a new guy every month that just goes off. Like, Danny Avdia had a phenomenal month in, I think it was March, where he looked really good. And if you can, can, if you can keep that up, like, Jordan Goodwin, another great player for the Wizards this season. So they Two-way have... Player. Oh, my God. They have, they have stuff there, but they don't have a direction, and that's... Really frustrating because the Wizards just, they have stuff there. They just need to work on. If they, like, for me, I think if you're the Wizards, go out and be like, we're going to be a playing team next year, no matter what. We, our goal next year is to be a top 10 seed. We're going to have pick eight in this year's draft, I believe it is, eight or nine. Go out, take take Anthony Black. Take Anthony Black, who's one of the best playmakers in this draft. He's going to fit right in next to Bradley Beal. He's your point guard for the future. Build around Porzingis at your center who can stretch the floor and just target the playoffs, or the play-in at least. I think you have to take a direction. Or if you don't want to do that, go all in. Just tank. Tank, tank it all. Just don't like pick one or the other because that middle ground is not going to get you anywhere. Having the eighth pick every year is not going to help you. Every single year, it's yeah. not going to ha- like. You don't move the needle that way, especially when you're not able to draft well. What's the point? What there's like, 
If I'm not mistaken, forever. Yo, Jalen, if I'm not mistaken, didn't you guys draft like Isaiah Todd? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, that, yeah. Zay Todd. Yeah. Did that ever? Did he ever develop, or is he still with the Go Go's, or did uh, he even get traded? I think he's in the G League right now. I think he is. At this point, who knows, bro? But what I've been saying for forever, like, we are the capital of the United States, and we are not a big market at all. <laughs> it's like, terrible. We have no decision-making. We have no decision-making. Really we have no it's really bad. It's just, we can't do anything. And we're the capital even, of the United States. Even with, like, the fans and stuff like that, like, I don't, even, I don't think the wizards. Yeah, like, even, like, going back to, like, when they were back in the play-in tournament, like, in 2021. 2021, yeah, like, against the Pacers. Yeah, 2021, like, like, it didn't seem like a playoff game. It just seemed like a regular season game, just, like, looking at it from TV. Yeah. I don't think the excitement from, like, being – I don't – I would say, like, the excitement, like, from, like, a fan base, I don't think I've seen that since, like, maybe game seven against Boston when Kelly Olenek went off for, like, 28 points. But, you know, just for, like, the team in general, like, Jalen, if you're the GM of the Wizards, what are you doing this all season? Like uh... – what I've been saying for the past two years by now, get rid of Bradley Bill. We have to uh, – well, in order to get rid of him, we have to find someone uh, to just take his money. It's out he there. He has a lot. Yeah, he has a lot. We are giving him a lot of money. We are giving him a lot of money. It's and we just there. go into the full rebuild. And at this point, we just take those three or four losing seasons and hopefully do something later, man. I watched but every – I'll go ahead, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no, you can finish what you're saying. In order to do that, we need, like, good trainers. We can't even de- develop anyone. And it's just, it's just really bad, man. It's just really bad. I was going to say, I watched every single Wizards game, or probably 75 of the 82 Wizards games that regular season just simply because of Russell Westbrook. Because he's my favorite yeah. player of all time, if you didn't know. And... Seeing that man play basketball in a Wizards jersey made me realize that there's still I no I realize that there's still hope for the Wizards fans, but a lot of it was just like you're in such a small market, and it pisses me off because Bradley Beal doesn't care about anything besides Washington. They'll be down 30 points, and he's on the bench smiling. He doesn't care about anything else. And he's not used to playing in a winning environment. And I think that's a big reason why he wants to stay, because he almost just doesn't have any pressure on him. He's gotten paid twice now, even after not proving to be a leader or to contribute to winning basketball. And I, unless they make changes and are a quality playoff team or compete for something serious, Bradley Beal is going to take that any day of the week. He could go out. He's he's living he's living fine with his forty million dollars that he's making. There's no reason for him to. There's no reason for him to want anything else. He's in the perfect scenario. He could just play basketball, get money, not care about anything else. Which sucks because I think. The Wizards do deserve better being, like Jalen said, in the capital of the United States. But right, Wizards are they're a mess. I agree. Indeed. I agree. <laughs> I mean, I I, I don't know, Jalen. I mean, maybe I mean, maybe like in two or three years, who knows? Maybe top three seed in the East. 
<laughs> no, no. I will take that yeah. bet any day of the week. Wizards. Are I was not just trying to be optimistic. <laughs> I was just trying to be optimistic. But um, all right. So we talked about the six. We talked about the. We talked about the six. We talked about the Wizards. Um. So Aiden, let's talk about the Thunder, man. You know, you guys obviously have like the brightest future. And like you guys have like a, a young core. Shea's yeah. coming into his own, doing his thing. So what do you what do you guys think y'all need to do for the offseason, man? In all honesty, I think we took one of the biggest steps that you can take in the NBA, and that's going from bottom of the league to competing for something, that being the play-in, winning a play-in game, and they were only one game away from being in the NBA playoffs. Going from the second overall pick in Chet Holmgren, who I think the main thing that the Thunder need to do this offseason is... Just keep developing their players, and on top of that, figure out which players they want to keep long-term. Because at the end of the day, you can't draft with every single pick that you acquire. And the players that you do acquire via the draft, not every player is going to get burned. Like, there's going to be times where Trey Mann, they're, they're going to have to figure out what they want to do with him because there's times where he looks great, then there are there's times where he comes in chucks and he just doesn't seem happy for the environment. Do you keep him long term, or do you hope to go out and get now a backup veteran point guard who can not only mentor Shea, but provide some sort of quality minutes without <laughs> taking any opportunities away from the young guys that you want to develop? And I think we I think as a Thunder fan, I have a good understanding on who's going to be there long-term and who kind of feels like a filler player or possibly a two-way player down in the blue for a little bit. So my dream offseason, or my realistic offseason, I should say, is at 12, I see them taking hopefully a guy like Taylor Hendricks, um, an elite wing, because... We know Sam Preston and the Thunder organization are great at developing players and really just allowing guys to stay healthy, make decisions on who you want here long-term, and actually make those moves. And I think they're at their point where if there's a star that hits the market, go for it. Why not? It's worth... I think now is the time where you're like... You want... Uh, Every season, for every team, you want to take a step forward in the best way possible. When the Thunder wanted to trade Russell Westbrook and trade Paul George, the initial idea was they were going to be a bad team. Chris Paul's getting old. Shea's going into his second season. This team's not going to be good. They went out, competed. They made the playoffs as the five seed. Then Chris Paul gets traded, Gallinari, Steven Adams, these guys get traded away. Now it's all young players. Well, you're not improving record-wise. You're taking a step forward and committing to the tank. You go out and get Josh Giddy. He has a great rookie season. You tank again, you get the second overall pick in Chet Holmgren, who doesn't play a single minute. You draft Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara at 12. He develops into the second-best rookie this season without having your number two overall player. So if you're able to take leap by leap 
there's a little bit of that added pressure now that you're at the point where you're at to where teams are going to be expecting the Thunder to be in that playoff mix as opposed to the play-in mix. For sure. And if they don't hit that reach, yes, they're still a young team, but we know what they're capable of doing. So I'm fully expecting the Thunder to take a li- take that leap and at least make the playoffs next year. And I'm hoping that they could take that Memphis Grizzlies leap where they go from playing against Golden State to being the number two seed. I think that would be amazing. Yeah. And just health, really. I, I think if this team is healthy and this team can develop, it's the future is bright and I'm excited. I agree. I mean, the Thunder Thunder seemed like a really fun team to watch. Even last year with Shea, really good player. So I definitely expect this team next year. Thunder, you know, the extra pieces, and they do what they got to do in the offseason, and Chad coming into play. I feel like this team should be like a a, definitely in a playoff mix rather than a play-in mix. And the fact that they made the play-in, after the fact that they made the play-in without, you know, without Chad, I mean, it's just a testament to, like, the team in general, just, like, you know, what they've been able to do in Oklahoma City, so. And beating sure, a I good Pelicans team, too. Pelicans had high expectations, and them completely missing the playoffs. I don't even, losing I don't to even the team, know like, what happened to like, the Pelicans. Health, I don't even really. know what it was just, I think a lot of that came down to C.J. McCollum looked old. He lost, <laughs> or the second half of the season, C.J. McCollum just looked off. Brandon Ingram's toe killed them. Zion Williamson being hurt killed yeah. them. It it was Willie Green did the best he could in my opinion, but it was they were that twenty game stretch where they lost sixteen of them, I believe it was, or fifteen of them. It that that took them from being the number one overall seed in November and December to missing out on the playoffs completely. So I think they'll be fine though. They're they're a team I expect next season when fully healthy to be in that in that elite. All right, and then the last the last thing I want to talk about in the podcast. You know, the last thing I want to talk about, we touched on this team a little bit earlier when we were talking about the Heat, but, you know, we want to talk about, you know, the Celtics, Boston Celtics. Obviously, they got blown out game seven to the Miami Heat. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of questions, a lot of answers that need to be given in this offseason. You got Tatum, you got Jalen Brown, you got the whole team in general. You know, what do you think the direction? Obviously, the Celtics are going to be contenders next year, but obviously, either without one of their stars or with both of them. Just, they're just going to have to pay, but, you know, what do you think should happen with the Celtics, you know, and what do you think the future of it is? You can touch mm. on that first, Jay. Honestly, I think I think what's best for the Celtics is that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum split. And to be honest, well, I saw, um, I saw an analogy comparing them to, like, um, how Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant won the same team. How when they split, I mean, both of the both of the uh, players did really good in their respective teams. I mean, Kevin Durant getting two rings, and Russell Westbrook winning MVP. It is. I just feel like it's for the best. Ah, damn. It's it's tough to say right now because we know Jalen Brown could be such a. I think Tatum's locked in. He's a Celtic for. Damn it, I don't know how long, but he's going to be there for the long haul. Do you want to... We know Brown is eligible for that Supermax after making All-NBA. Is he a Supermax player, though? 
That's what it's going to boil down to. Do you put, do you pay Jalen Brown, and that's it? You're paying Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. You have no other money to spend. That's what I'm saying. And that, like, we know how talented that duo can be. We know it's and there's also so many signs pointing that Jalen Brown is not happy in Boston. We, I mean, we. I don't know if you guys saw it, but the burner, the burner account on Twitter saying that like, <laughs> I'll be cool. Also with Atlanta and Portland, those seem like cool. And it's, it's a really tough scenario for Brad Stevens to be in right now because I feel like you're not winning, especially because if you trade, or at least initially, when you make that trade, you're trading away Jalen Brown, who's one of the best young players in the league. All eyes are going to be like, why'd you trade this player away for whatever they get back in return? Or if you pay this guy this offseason at least, you're like, damn. After the performance he had in the playoffs. Right, right. Especially this in guy game seven. For, for someone who doesn't want to be in Boston, and it's obvious. It's, it's obvious he doesn't want to be here. But it's really tough to give up a quality young player in Jalen Brown. It's 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 a really difficult situation for them to make, and I think they're going to wait another season to do it because they don't have to pay Brown until next season if they want to do so. So I'm a believer that they're going to let this roll out, and I think it's going to be a little bit interesting to see how Jalen Brown feels about that because. Obviously, we know that it must not feel great that there's even conversations about do we pay him or not, even though he's eligible for this amount of money. So I think that's also going to play a factor into do they really want me here? And if they really wanted me here, they would have paid me by now. So I think this is going to be a prove-it-or-lose-it sort of season for Jalen Brown. On both sides, and not just on the court, but off the court. You need to start getting a little more involved in just those locker room out-of-basketball sort of scenarios where you could develop that sort of player attachment with, or that sort of fan attachment with the Celtics fans in that organization once again. Because I think a lot of that has been lost over the years. And if you're not able, if you're not able to have that, it's tough to want to be in an organization where a lot of eyes are on you for not the right reason. I agree. I agree. I feel like with Jalen Brown and Tatum, I feel like, I feel like it's best for them to part ways. Obviously what Jalen said earlier, Jalen said that it's like the situation with Russell and Katie, where when they both split, they're able to be, you know, good on different teams. I just feel like it's time. I feel like after this playoff, uh, especially, um, I don't. If Jalen does ask for the money this off season, I don't think the Celtics are going to give it to him. They're going to let him walk. I don't think they're going to lift to pay him that super max because, as as I just said, with the super max, you know you have to show that you're a super max player. And mm-hmm. with Jalen Brown, he has flashes where he looks like one of the best players on the Celtics, but he doesn't do that consistently. And he definitely didn't do that consistently in this playoff either. So, not even just in the Heat series, but I didn't see consistency in any of the series, taking him back to the Sixers series, where he was, like, the best player on the Celtics. So, um, I just don't see – I don't see Boston – if Boston – if Jalen Brown says this offseason, 
I want the money. Show me the money. Boston's going to kick him to the curb and have him go to another team. But I, I really do not see him getting a Supermax this offseason. That's just me, though. That's just you're Brad Stevens. If you're Brad Stevens and you get a call from Portland centered around that third pick and Anthony Simons, what are you saying? Yes. Mm, that's a tough one. Not Damian Lillard. Yes. You're pairing you're pairing Jalen Brown with Damian Lillard. Not Jason Tatum. It's if you get that third pick, Simons, and some other filler stuff. What do you do? What do you think? Um, what it seems like I saw the Hornets are leaning towards Brandon Miller, so I, which is stupid. Yeah, so very, but. Potentially the third pick is Scoot Henderson. So, uh, honestly, that's a tough one. If I'm, Brad, tough if I'm one. Brad Stevens, if I'm Brad Stevens, I'm saying yes to that. If I'm Brad Stevens, if on draft night, Wendy goes one to the Spurs, if I hear Brandon Miller get drafted at two, I would be open to calling the Portland Trailblazers in a trade revolving essentially around Scoot Henderson at that point for Jalen Brown. And if somehow you're able to avoid getting back Yusuf Nurkic in that trade, I think that's great. If you're able to have a team around Anthony Simons, who I think is one of the most underrated players in the league, in my opinion. He, that kid's a stud. If you're able to have a young team around... Jason Tatum, Scoot Henderson, as well as Anthony Simons, that's just, that's the step in the right direction. Because I don't know what else, value-wise, you're going to get for Jalen Brown that's going to be not only right now success, but future. Because there's not many teams out there looking to trade away young talent to win now. There's not a lot of that out there. So if you're able to guarantee... You're only if you can guarantee yourself Scoot Henderson. If Scoot goes two to the Hornets and it's Brandon Miller at three, I I don't want it. I don't want it for Boston. No, I agree. I agree. I also too, I was gonna say, um, when it comes to the Celtics, Al Horford obviously not getting any younger. Um, are we trading you're trading Al Horford, are we getting rid of Al Horford this offseason as well? Oh, that's a solid veteran piece. That's a yeah. solid veteran piece. Um, I can't. Anyway, speaking of Brandon Miller, <laughs> I have, I have, I have, I'm a little iffy about Brandon Miller. Uh, his that. performance and his performance in March Madness. I don't think he shot over forty percent. Oh no, he was awful. He was awful. He, horrid. he was bad. Horrid. He was bad. And that was one of the well. Yeah, that was the brightest lights in his college uh, college career. That was the brightest lights in his college career, and he just didn't come through. There was, I just want to see how he translates to the NBA. I watched a lot of Bama games this year, and there was a game in late – it was early December when they were playing against Auburn, and he picked up two early fouls. And a lot of the reason why Brandon Miller is such a highly recruited player is because of his – mature abilities on the court to where he's able to create his own bucket with ease and having an elite 
jumper and shot off the dribble is something that's rare to find in young players nowadays. And I think a lot of the upside around him is not only his size and athletic abilities, but his potential is similar to like Indiana Paul George, where he can just go out there, especially for a team like the Hornets, where he'll be the number one scoring option most likely. LaMelo Ball, while he could score the ball really well, is more of the playmaker for that team. And Agreed. if for whatever reason, if you if you go out and take Brandon Miller at number two, you're 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 replacing your Gordon Hayward and Kelly Oubre, who I think both are going to be going this offseason. You're pairing yourself next to young centers in Mark Williams, P.J. Washington. You have a really young team. You're not going to have a lot of expectations. And you could just go out and play basketball and mature a little bit on and definitely off the court. Definitely and, off and the court. And it's definitely off the court. Definitely yeah. off the court. And it's going to be – I'm still high on Bryn Miller, and I do think that he has the potential to reach – that elite offensive wing abilities. And I do think Charlotte is kind of the place to... I mean, you're not winning or losing going to Charlotte because you're setting yourself up with an elite playmaker in LaMelo Ball who's very young, and you'll both grow together. So I think it's going to be interesting. I don't want... I I think him going to Portland is going to be a nasty fit. I don't like that. Yeah, you you have a very dominant yeah. player in Damian Lillard. Anthony Simons yeah. is relies. Th- there's too many players that rely on having the ball in their hands there. Where I don't yeah. think he's. And they already die. have it. And Chauncey Billups is a terrible coach too. Cha- <laughs> not that. Not that. Um. Damn. Um. I'm blanking on um. Charlotte's. I know who it is. I could see his face. It's not James Brego anymore. It's um. Clifford. Clifford's not a good coach whatsoever. And he's the type of guy who's... He's going to try to make the playoffs with the team that he has now, and it's not going to work. That's, And he needs to understand that. Like, If they want to tank and develop players, there's a different approach as... There's a different approach to tanking and developing players than it is to trying to win a championship. And he's not good at Agreed. either of those. Agreed. Jalen, you want to say anything, man? All right, uh, nah, man. All right. All right, so that, that pretty much wraps it up uh, with this episode of the Umbos Podcast. Uh, really great episode. Uh, I enjoyed it very much, just talking basketball sure. with you guys. Uh, Aiden, where can people find you or anything like that? They want to, like, talk to you more and, yeah, so, on Instagram or anything like that. Yeah, I, um, I do a lot of videos over on Instagram, YouTube. I try to get TikTok and all that. Um, my handle on most platforms is Zeals, Z-E-I-L-Z. Um, and then on Twitter and Instagram, it's Zeals OKC. So the same thing, Z-E-I-L-Z, and then just OKC at the end. I do a lot of similar to what we're doing now, just talking about hoops. Uh, over on Instagram, I make basketball videos as well there. So I'd really appreciate it. You know, if you stop by one time, just check the videos out. If not... Hey, I can't, I can't, I can't tell you what to do and what not to do. But you know, it was a great time being on Young Bulls podcast. It was a ton of fun just being able to talk hoops with two other great guys. So I, I really appreciate. You know, thank you for everything. It was, I, I, it was fun. I, it's, it's not often where 
my friends are like into talking about hoops like you guys are, so it's nice being able to have just a fluid yeah. conversation about basketball. So yeah, thank you. Of course, of course. We, this is definitely not going to be the last time we get you on here, too, for sure. Yeah. As, like, the offseason. Yeah, but, um, no, thank you guys for tuning into this episode. Uh, and Denari, Jalen, and Aiden here. Um, but we'll see you back here next week. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it.